Millions of Americans are sharing stories and pictures this morning about the historic eclipse. Crowds at campsites like this one. Welcome to our special live coverage of this. It's August 21, 2017. Words like path of totality are suddenly commonplace. An event called totality. And everyone's listening to Bonnie Tyler like it's 1983 all over again. Television, radio, social media, everywhere you look, there was only one thing people were talking about. The solar eclipse. We weren't planning originally for that day to be anything special. The moon was poised to pass directly across the sun, casting a shadow that would sweep its way across the continental United States. And people were losing their shit. This is something that I will be dreaming about and thinking about for the rest of my life. We had trend map up, and of course, you know, the eclipse was blowing up. You could almost hear companies frothing at the mouth. Newsjacking the eclipse was basically whatever's lower than low-hanging fruit. It was perfect. We said, this really ought to be Moon Pie's Super Bowl moment. But you see, the thing with low-hanging fruit is that means every brand under the sun was also itching to tap into the collective zeitgeist. But it was Hostess, the snack candy giant, who reached its tiny little toe over the invisible line and fired off a tweet. Hostess is the official snack cake of the lunar eclipse. Lunacy. It's like, oh my gosh, did they not realize they're stepping in it? There was another snack cake. Some would argue a much more worthy product of that distinction. One that, you know, had Moon right there in its name. Our name is Moon Pie. <laughs> moon Pie. It was obvious. But snack cake lines had been crossed. And on Moon Pie's 100-year anniversary, no less. So Moon Pie did the first thing anyone would do. It responded to Hostess on Twitter. And it took only two words, no comma. LOL, okay. Here's where I'll just go ahead and drop the word viral. At the time, it was the highest engaging brand tweet in the history of Twitter. You know, Obama and Kim Kardashian have had bigger tweets than that. But for a brand, I believe at the time, that was the highest uh, engaging brand tweet ever. Got over 200,000 retweets, got over half a million likes. So many grocery stores sold out at one time that Chattanooga Bakery got so many orders at one time, they ran out of raw materials and had to shut down. So that's literally every marketer, every ad agency's dream. And, you know, people just love Boone Pie throwing all that shade at Hostess. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. If you've spent any time on Twitter, you've likely run into the Moon Pie account. It's funny, irreverent, and above all, insanely passionate about the large, round, chocolate cracker and marshmallow snack cakes it sells. But who is the Oz behind the curtain inside Moon Pie's Emerald Castle? I'm Dooley Tombris, and I'm the president of the Tombris Group. Dooley and his team are headquartered in Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Tombris Group represents a number of different brands including Orange Theory Fitness and Bush Beans. But their enviable viral social machine, Moon Pie? Well, landing that account wasn't so easy. Back 40 plus years ago, my dad and granddad went down to Chattanooga and they pitched the Moon Pie account and they didn't win it. And then my dad and I went back 40 years later and we pitched the son of the guy that my dad and granddad had pitched, and, and we did get the business. Dooley was keen to set his sights on Moon Pie, 
it's just such a cool, fun brand. And if you're not having fun in snack cake marketing, you're probably doing something wrong. But landing an account is one thing. Success is something else altogether. Our mantra and philosophy as an agency is connecting data and creativity for business results. And our perspective, too, is if you don't have great creative, you're dead, particularly in social media. And running paid social does not give brands an excuse to not have breakthrough content. If you've got better creative, we found that you can actually break through faster and get bigger sales increases with smaller paid media dollars. But we think that's really kind of the future of social media is those two worlds coming together and kind of the merging and marriage of data and creativity. Okay, now's the time when I lay a hard truth on you. Brace yourself. A decade ago, social was a viable channel to get customers. But now, a decade later... Social's no longer the customer acquisition juggernaut it once was. Not organically, anyway. That's where paid comes in. Paid supports content distribution. And no, I don't mean spamming people's feeds. Well, unless you're looking for some bad press and even worse, customer sentiment. Organic social is dead on Facebook and Instagram. Frankly, at this point, I look at Facebook uh, as a paid channel. It's not an organic social channel anymore. I mean, for folks that were doing this... Millions of Americans are sharing stories and pictures this morning about the historic eclipse. Crowds at campsites like this one... Welcome to our special live coverage of this... It's August 21, 2017. Words like path of totality are suddenly commonplace. An event called totality... And everyone's listening to Bonnie Tyler like it's 1983 all over again. Television, radio, social media, everywhere you look... There was only one thing people were talking about, the solar eclipse. We weren't planning originally for that day to be anything special. The moon was poised to pass directly across the sun, casting a shadow that would sweep its way across the continental United States. And people were losing their shit. This is something that I will be dreaming about and thinking about for the rest of my life. We had trend map up, and of course, you know, the eclipse was blowing up. You could almost hear companies frothing at the mouth. Newsjacking the eclipse was basically whatever's lower than low-hanging fruit. It was perfect. We said, this really ought to be Moon Pie's Super Bowl moment. But you see, the thing with low-hanging fruit is that means every brand under the sun was also itching to tap into the collective zeitgeist. But it was Hostess, the snack candy giant, who reached its tiny little toe over the invisible line and fired off a tweet. Hostess is the official snack cake of the lunar eclipse. Lunacy. It's like, oh my gosh, did they not realize they're stepping in it? There was another snack cake. Some would argue a much more worthy product of that distinction. One that, you know, had moon right there in its name. Our name is Moon Pie. <laughs> moon Pie. It was obvious. But snack cake lines had been crossed. And on Moon Pie's 100-year anniversary, no less. So Moon Pie did the first thing anyone would do. It responded to Hostess on Twitter. And it took only two words. No comma. LOL, okay. Here's where I'll just go ahead and drop the word viral. At the time, it was the highest engaging brand tweet in the history of Twitter. You know, Obama and Kim Kardashian have had bigger tweets than that. But for a brand, I believe at the time, that was the highest engaging brand tweet ever. Got over 200,000 retweets, got over half a million likes. 
So many grocery stores sold out at one time that Chattanooga Bakery got so many orders at one time, they ran out of raw materials and had to shut down. So that's literally every marketer, every ad agency's dream. And, you know, people just love Boone Pie throwing all that shade at Hostess. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, and this is The Gross Show. If you've spent any time on Twitter, you've likely run into the Moon Pie account. It's funny, irreverent, and above all, insanely passionate about the large, round, chocolate cracker and marshmallow snack cakes it sells. But who is the Oz behind the curtain inside Moon Pie's Emerald Castle? I'm Dooley Tombris, and I'm the president of the Tombris Group. Dooley and his team are headquartered in Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Tombris Group represents a number of different brands including Orange Theory Fitness and Bush Beans. But their enviable viral social machine, Moon Pie? Well, landing that account wasn't so easy. Back 40 plus years ago, my dad and granddad went down to Chattanooga and they pitched the Moon Pie account and they didn't win it. And then my dad and I went back 40 years later And we pitched the son of the guy that my dad and granddad had pitched, and and we did get the business. Dooley was keen to set his sights on Moon Pie. It's just such a cool, fun brand. And if you're not having fun in snack cake marketing, you're probably doing something wrong. But landing an account is one thing. Success is something else altogether. Our mantra and philosophy as an agency is connecting data and creativity for business results. And our perspective, too, is if you don't have great creative, you're dead, particularly in social media. And and running paid social does not give brands an excuse to not have breakthrough content. If you've got better creative, we found that you can actually break through faster and get bigger sales increases with smaller paid media dollars. But we think that's really kind of the future of social media is those two worlds coming together and kind of the merging and marriage of data and creativity. Okay, now's the time when I lay a hard truth on you. Brace yourself. A decade ago, social was a viable channel to get customers. But now, a decade later, social's no longer the customer acquisition juggernaut it once was. Not organically, anyway. That's where paid comes in. Paid supports content distribution, And no, I don't mean spamming people's feeds. Well, unless you're looking for some bad press and even worse, customer sentiment. Organic social is dead on Facebook and Instagram. Frankly, at this point, I look at Facebook uh, as a paid channel. It's not an organic social channel anymore. I mean, for folks that were doing this back in the halcyon days of 2009, 2010, you know, back then you could get 20, 30 percent organic reach And it behooved a brand to build an owned media channel, get a lot of followers, have an editorial calendar, and post every day. And the more you post, the better, because you're essentially getting free reach back in those days. And now if you're a bigger brand, you're lucky if you're getting 1% organic reach. However, it is an unbelievably powerful paid platform. And, you know, the way I look at it is Facebook and Instagram now have the scale of television but they've got much better targeting. I mean, I mean, the beauty of TV has always been it, it's the best mass reach vehicle because you can get a great high impact 30 second video message, 
in front of a lot of people. The problem with TV has always been it's expensive because of all that reach. There's waste in there, and, and you're reaching a lot of the potential customers that you want to reach, but you're also paying to reach people that will never buy your product. And in, in social media, there are just unbelievable targeting capabilities to go in on, on gender, age. Uh, you know, you can do third-party data stacking in there, and then you can geofence around retail locations. And so, the, the way I think about it is, you know, Facebook now has the scale of television, but much better targeting. Dooley has an interesting editorial style when it comes to social. First, the Tombers group follows all the standard playbook checklist items. We develop content calendars. We do annual planning. We look at what are the big events and opportunities like an eclipse coming up. And, you know, we're working 30 to 60 days ahead like a lot of brands are. But the real secret to success, the one that's worked so well for Moonpie? Where we've had a lot of success, and the eclipse is evidence of that, is real time. And I think most brands probably lean a little bit too much into the editorial content. And they're like 99% stock content, 1% real time. And even though we have the editorial calendars, we are over 50% real time with MoonPie. Really? Yeah. And I think that's been part of the secret sauce for us is things move so fast on the internet, particularly on social media that inserting your your brand in a meaningful way into the conversations that are going on right now, today, this second, that's how you can create maximum relevance. And I think that's where we've really had a ton of success with MoonPie. We've got a very established brand voice and we've got the muscle memory from all of the stock content that we do on the editorial calendars. So, so we're able to move pretty quickly from a real-time standpoint. And let me tell you, the editorial calendars actually free you up in a way because there's not pressure to come up with great real-time content because we've got these calendars with all these great posts in the bag. So if we don't come up with a real-time post today or tomorrow or Monday, no big deal. We, we can just take stuff off of that calendar, and that gives us the freedom to, to be more creative. And we don't post everything that we come up with. You know, sometimes we'll turn the creative teams loose on it, and we'll develop a real-time post, and we'll say, ah, we've missed the opportunity here, and we want to maintain maximum right. relevance. And if we'd posted this four hours earlier, it would have been good or we just haven't come up with the right thing. This shift in social strategy is all part of what Dooley and the Tombers group call Social 3.0. It's just sort of a funny name that the head of our media department came up with. <laughs> Naming faux pas aside, Social 3.0 is really the evolution of how companies need to approach their social marketing. Do you hear that music? Sounds like it's time for a quick segment. And this one comes to us from our very own resident social expert, Josh Chang. Social really started out back in what Dooley calls Social 1.0. The halcyon days of 2009, 2010, that was organic social. You didn't have to pay at all. You might have had to pay to build the audience, but you posted for free organically. And if you did it in a smart way, you probably got a really good return. As with anything 1.0, it was real Wild West territory. It was freewheeling, easy to access, and held high rewards for those early pioneers. But ultimately, its days were numbered from the start. As platforms grew, so did the need for paid distribution. We'll call that social 2.0. And, and that's where they, they realized that social media is a pay-to-play channel now. 
And then they siloed it and they said, okay, here's our organic team. You guys do the, the editorial posts on the calendar. You make the paid content for the dark ads. And then off to the side, here's our paid team. And we're going to boost every single post the exact amount. Most brands now, small brands, are spending fifty or a hundred dollars boosting every post. Bigger brands might be spending a thousand or a couple thousand dollars boosting every post. That takes us to social 3.0. It's a little bit hybrid, a little bit connecting the dots. But most companies are still struggling to crack this one. And brands like Moonpie, you know, the ones that are selling out of product in stores and breaking brand social records, yeah. They're reaping all the rewards. So we'll develop an algorithm with every client of what is average engagement, above or below average engagement. We'll put an organic post out there, and if it gets below average engagement, we'll just let it die. No big deal. If it gets yeah. above average engagement, we'll, we'll throw whatever the agreed upon amount of dollars are behind it to boost it. And so if we boost it, we've left social media 1.0, we're now in social media 2.0, and then if we say, okay, we got a piece of hot content here. It's getting above average engagement since we've boosted it. Okay, now we're going to go social media 3.0. We're going to take it outside of our community. We're going to make it a dark ad. We're going to put real paid dollars behind it. We're going to try to use third-party data if possible. And we're going to go do that to drive sales. And then at that point, we're not really holding that post as accountable to engagement. But are we driving sales at that point? And the way we'll measure that typically is when we do a dark post, we're not going to do it nationally. We might have test and control where half the country gets it, or we've got test and control markets or test and control stores. Social 3.0 puts the customer first. It's not only a matter of having the right content to distribute, but making sure you have the right targeting. That way, you're reaching the right people at the right time. Thanks for breaking that down, Josh. Yeah, of course. I still have so many questions. Like, how does MoonPie attribute offline sales to social marketing? And what does Dooley think brands keep getting wrong about social? The people got to know, Megan. <laughs> You're right. But you know what? Let's get to it right after the break. <laughs> All right, deal. If you're a fan of The Gross Show, you might already know our not-so-secret secret. This isn't our only podcast. We just released the first season of Skill Up, a bingeable podcast all about SEO. Whether you're a seasoned pro wondering how voice will affect the future of your SERP, or you're totally new and have no idea what those words even mean, Skill Up has an episode for you. The entire first season is available now, so jump in anywhere and listen to whatever episode strikes your fancy. And if you learn something new and unexpected, let us know. You can find Skill Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Okay, back to the show. It's easy to think Moonpie is built off of pure comedic value. Make the people laugh. But according to Dooley, that'd be missing the point entirely. I, I think that we're building a brand off of relevance. And, you know, we're, we're wanting to be relevant with millennials. And I think the way you, you become relevant with millennials is talking to them in real time, in the right voice, uh, about the right topics that they care about. But even if you're Moonpie... You're not stepping up to the plate and clocking runs over the right field wall every time. 
And sometimes you get lucky and you go viral. Some of them don't take off. And there's a little bit of a science to this, but there's a little bit of an art to it too. And sometimes you think something will go viral and it gets 5,000 likes, but hey, that's still a success. Whether you're a brand or you're Chrissy Teigen, we'd all appreciate our very own viral day in the sun. But it's a common mistake to set your goal around virality. We're not building the brand purely off of virality, but certainly it's a great thing when that happens and that helps us. I'd love to tell you that's the only mistake brands make, but that'd be a lie. So instead, I'll let Dooley tell you. I see so many brands that have got great equity that have really smart, classically trained marketers that want to do the right thing and they're afraid to take calculated risks. And I think a lot of it is legacy holdover thinking from the TV days. Because let me tell you, going going back in time 10 years ago, it was a big risk if you did a really edgy TV campaign because it was expensive to shoot. You're spending hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on the production. You're spending millions of dollars on the media. And it's your brand on the line. Uh, And if it doesn't work, That's a huge risk that that could have a real detrimental impact on the brand and on that person's career. And I think what a lot of folks don't realize now is in social media, you don't have to take risks that big. You can test and learn. You can start small and you can take big calculated risks and just start within a market. And then if it works, scale it up to a region. And then if it works, scale it up nationally. And you're not gambling with millions of production dollars and media dollars. And so I think that's been part of the secret to the Tombers Group's success is we've taken that test and learn approach with a lot of clients. And it's what we did with Moon Pie. It would have been reckless to be that creative day one. We test and learned our way into it. And we didn't start uh, with big paid dollars, and we didn't even start on our biggest channels. Um, So I I, I think that's where a lot of brands fall short is they don't have the courage to do the risk-taking. But what they don't realize is you don't need the courage to do the risk-taking now that you did 10 years ago. And the risks are really smaller if you you handle it the right way. Yeah. What makes a risk calculated? What makes you feel better about sticking your neck out on something. Smaller dollars, smaller reach, and then prove that it works. Mm. You know, the the ultimate risk is a Super Bowl commercial. You know, you're spending five plus million dollars on the media. You're probably going to spend a minimum of one to two million dollars on the production. Yeah. And then you're probably going to spend more money amplifying it and promoting it. That's a $10 million gamble. If you take a big risk there and fall on your face, that's going to have a real negative impact to the brand. You know, a small risk to me is, okay, let's go do a test market in one market in the country. Let's test Mm -hmm. it only on social media and let's test it with a budget of tens of thousands of dollars. And then if it Mm -hmm. works, great. And and then don't swing the pendulum all the way the other way and launch a a seven-figure national campaign roll it out to a region, start to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then if you can repeat the success and validate it, you know, that's the way you can test and learn your way into kind of edgy or creative. Moon Pie's goal is simple. Sell those circular snack cakes like it's doomsday. But social can't be driving offline sales, right? Social's a brand play. Take it from me. Don't say that to Dooley. 
One of my biggest pet peeves. I mean, we're in 2018 now. Dooley's willing to throw down the gauntlet when it comes to social expectations. Go look at the data on cord cutters right now. I mean, we, we live in a mobile first world. We live in a social first world. And so it's a pet peeve for me when I see marketers only tie social media to engagement. Uh, my number one piece of advice is tie it to sales growth and hold social media just as accountable to the business KPIs and the sales KPIs as you would TV. And for that matter, you know, most brands should probably be spending on social the way they used to spend on television and don't sell social short, tie it to sales and business goals. That's right. Social selling. Remember, Moonpie's goal is to sell more Moonpies, whether that's in stores or on Twitter. And as their viral Eclipse tweet showed, we're not talking about flash sales over at the local stop and shop. So how do you make these types of decisions? Well, it all comes down to one thing, speed. The number one hardest thing is real time. And brands need to figure out a structure internally if they're going to do social in-house as to how they can operate fast enough. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons that brands work with agencies. Part of it is creativity. Uh, part of it is innovation. But another reason that clients work with agencies is speed kills and agencies are built for speed, and modern marketing is all about speed. And I think every CMO right now is thinking about a couple of things. Analytics and attribution are probably number one on the list. How do you structure your team to be able to measure and optimize everything? But I think one of the other biggest things all the CMOs are struggling with right now is how do they restructure their teams for speed uh, and the speed of modern marketing. And where I'm seeing a lot of brands going is really a hybrid model where, where they may have an internal social team and the internal social team may do a lot of the day-to-day -day community management, but they come to the agency right. for the big fireworks creativity, so which on the one hand is the stuff that is planned the furthest in advance. And then they can also work with the agency on the real-time stuff because a lot of brands just struggle to be able to stop what they're doing and then in real-time pull in designers and videographers and editors to, to be able to create a piece of content same day or within a 24-hour mm -hmm. window, you know, to have maximum relevance on the internet. And Dooley has a unique way of setting up this team structure over at the Tomris Group. So it's sort of a two-step process. The social media community managers uh, are on the front lines, and then it gets kicked up to me because I'm kind of the acting strategic planner on the account. Setting up a team structure built for speed takes a community of managers and a central editor at the top. And so we've got a couple of social media community managers there that are watching Moon Pie constantly, but they're also looking at Google Trends and Trend Map and just seeing everything going on on the internet. And somebody goes, aha, there's an opportunity here. Hey, guys, you know, International House of Pancakes just rebranded as IHOB. And then run that up the flagpole to me. And I actually personally approve all of the real-time content that goes out. And so that gives us kind of some nice checks and balances in terms of are we operating within the, the brand voice? You know, are we brand safe? Uh, and, and then I can help allocate resources too when we need to go pull in producers and videographers and designers and editors and those kind of things. It might feel like Moon Pie sits on the iron throne of social accounts. 
They're one of the most engaged brands, and they've proven their worth in offline sales. But Dooley sees it a bit differently. He still maintains a challenger mentality. And that's the great thing about Moon Pie. They will never compete with Oreo on television, but social media is a great equalizer, and it can allow a challenger brand with a great product and a great brand voice to put out really good content uh, and literally break through uh, at a level equal to or even greater than an Oreo. When you mention data and social media in the same breath, palms start to sweat. And the great walls of personal privacy get built almost overnight. People are hesitant when it comes to their data. And rightfully so. There are plenty of examples out there of companies mishandling and abusing customer data. But that doesn't mean customers aren't willing to share their information. They just want to know they can trust you when they do. It's on companies to use that data only when it makes a better experience for customers. This is not a technology problem. We have the tools to do the right thing. When we put the customer and their data first, we can all grow better. And our perspective is there are going to be winners and there are going to be losers in the coming years. Uh, and it's the folks that can leverage the data the best that are going to be the winners. But better data will get you better results every time. So that's it, the last solar eclipse to be seen on this continent in this century. And as I said, not until August 21st, 2017, will another eclipse be visible from North America. That's 38 years from now. May the shadow of the moon fall in a world at peace. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown. And special thanks to Josh Chang for jumping into the booth for this story. Well done. We're staring down a whole new season of The Growth Show, and we want your feedback. This season, we'll look at the ways companies are growing better, the future of technology, and how companies that put the customer first are the ones that get to stake their flag atop the great big molehill. Let us know what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear over on our Facebook and Twitter, at The Growth Show or send us an email at hello at thegrowthshow.com. I'm Megan Kinney-Anderson, and thanks for listening.